Hello, friend. This is Taylor with an exciting and important announcement before this episode begins. For the past few years, I've gotten lots of requests from men in my courses for an in-person workshop or retreat. And I'm happy to say that this year it's finally happening in the beautiful mountains just outside of Asheville on July 11th through the 14th. And it includes a nine-week online men's group and training that starts three weeks before the retreat to help us integrate the work we're going to be doing together into our regular everyday lives. The program is called Liberate Your Life Force, and it's for any man who wants to feel truly vital and alive and liberated in his life on a daily basis in things like sex, relationships, in your family, in your business, and with your mission and purpose in life. Yes, <laughs> let's take a breath to that. <sighs> mm. I am co-facilitating this program with my good friend Thomas Duchin, and we've created this program based on our years of working with hundreds of men and figuring out some of the most effective and powerful ways to help us break through the most common ways men get blocked in life, with things like sexual shame, emotional closure and numbness, being the lone wolf, being the nice guy, difficulty receiving, and so many more ways that we hold ourselves back. The good news is we can actually work through these things and come out way stronger on the other side, especially when supported by a group of men and in-person processes that challenge you to become your best self. If this is something that sounds good to you, you can go to my website and click the retreat menu option to learn more. And know that enrollment is first come, first serve by application only, and it's limited to just 18 men, so we can have a truly powerful and tight-knit group. It's going to be profound, it's going to be fun, it's going to be challenging, and I'm so excited to share it with you and the group of men who have already signed up. So if you're interested, again, check out my website. And with all that being said, let's get into today's episode. This is the thing people are writing about in these books. Like this is the experience all these traditions have been talking about. Like it's this thing right here. It's psychedelic, it's transcendental, it's like orgasmic in your entire system and it's it's yeah, it's like psychedelics. Hello, friend, and welcome to the Eros Rising podcast, a podcast for men all about sex, where we'll combine real, authentic, down-to-earth conversations about sex with some pretty wild personal stories and practical how-to episodes as well to help you have the most amazing sex life you can possibly have. My name is Taylor, and I'll be your host on this journey. And in each episode, it's my goal to give you practical, actionable things that you can start doing today to improve your sex life and to improve your entire life. So let's begin today's episode by taking a deep breath in together through the nose. And exhale with an audible sigh. Thank you, friend, for being here. And let's begin today's episode. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Eros Rising podcast. I'm joined here by my friend John Handelman in my home in Asheville. And today I'm going to share with you my personal story of the first time I had a tantric orgasm, a non-ejaculatory orgasm, orgasm without ejaculation, all that wild, amazing stuff that you've probably heard about in books. And, you know, I've heard about this in books and I've never experienced one. And for me, it's just something that's in the realm of unachievable, I guess. Yeah. yeah, I I 100% know mm-hmm. <laughs> and agree. And before I had this experience and before I 
did a lot of practices to get back to that experience, I thought people were just making this shit up. I thought it was a bunch of just like just spiritual jumbo whatever in books, you know, and it wasn't actually real. But like then it happened to me and it blew my fucking mind. And uh, this is the story of the first time that happened to me. If you weren't my friend, I think this was spiritual mumbo jumbo. So I'm looking forward to hearing what happened and maybe if uh, I can learn it too or if uh, the man listening can learn it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So my intention with this story is to share actually how it happened and then share some of my takeaways from it too. Like what are the things that I learned from this that I was able to apply going forward? And so if you're listening right now and you've ever been curious about like how to have a non-ejaculatory orgasm or what is a tantric orgasm or orgasm without ejaculation or any of that kind of stuff, hopefully this episode will add a little clarity to your world and give you some practical steps to move in that direction if it's a direction you want to go in after hearing this story. It, well, it's a direction I want to go in, so yeah. let's see it. <laughs> and if you don't want to go in this direction after hearing this story, I'm going to scratch my head and be like, wow, all mm-hmm. right, well, to each their own, you know, because it's so cool. It's so cool. And it has fundamentally changed sex for me forever. Okay. Well, where were you? How old were you? What happened? Yeah. So I was eight years old. No. <laughs> That's where it usually starts, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Joke. All right. Mm-hmm. So... Hmm. Beginning the story. I was in my mid 20s. And prior to this, just for context, I had struggled with premature ejaculation a lot, like big time. Like I was the guy that would regularly ejaculate in a minute or less in sex. And it was the source of a huge amount of anxiety and stress and just like lack of self confidence and self worth and just identity as a man. You know, I didn't feel like a man at all. And I thought anytime I ever heard anybody say, what, you had sex for 20 minutes or an hour? Like, fuck you, you know, like you must be lying. (laughs) How did you get bestowed with this amazing ability? And I didn't, you know? And so I read some books. I found the multi-orgasmic man by Montauk Chia, which a lot of people have found. I found a book called sexual energy ecstasy that really opened my mind to the, to the idea that there was some other possibility out there. But like I said, it still sounded just like woo-woo bullshit to me, honestly, at this point in my life. And like something I wanted, but I didn't experience it. And yeah. So fast forward a little bit. I'm in a new-ish long-term relationship. New-ish meaning like, I don't know, four or five months in or something. And this night, the night that it happened, it started off with an argument, actually with my girlfriend or a disagreement. And we did the thing that is problematic and painful in most relationships where we started to talk about our past lovers and our past partners. And not from this place of curiosity, but from this place of self-comparison and self-judgment and like, ooh, am I good enough or am I better than them? This sort of thing. And I was relatively new to Asheville at that period of time. And my partner at the time, my girlfriend had lived here for a while. And the amount of people that she had slept with that I was friends with was higher than I thought it was going to be. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. it like Mm -hmm. fucked with my ego and I was angry and I was mad and I was like him and him. And I was in a band with two of these people at the time too. And I was just like, Oh, it, it crushed me. And now this kind of information didn't, wouldn't crush me. But back then it just, it like crushed me and I was angry at her. And then she got angry at me for getting angry at her for having previous relationships, which is like a totally unreasonable thing to do. Of course, everyone's going to have previous relationships. And we got into this place of, yeah, just like 
conflict and frustration and then sadness at the frustration. And we ended up like both of us, like underneath that frustration, eventually we ended up crying, you know, and being like, oh, ouch, damn, this hurts. Like I really like this relationship. I really like you. And like everything was great until we started having this conversation and it just downward spiraled and oh I feel shitty now and I'm like comparing myself to everybody yada 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 and she was comparing herself to my past experiences and it was just bad and <sighs> from that place we just stayed in connection and we laid there in bed together in my apartment uh, close in bodies like holding each other crying and tenderly, you know, looking into each other's eyes and the us crying, which at that time for me, crying was a huge deal. And it's not something I easily did. Um, it opened us to each other in this really nice connective way. And we started to feel more connective. And then we shared a nice, like light, loving kiss, you know, and it felt, yeah, you could use the word healing, I guess, healing, connective, and started just breathing and we were so present with each other. You know, the crying and the anger and everything had brought us to this space of openness and presence and we started to kiss. And then we started to kiss more passionately. And then we started to kiss with our tongues and then we started to do the thing that you start to do when it's like, okay, sex is about to happen. You know, I started moving the bodies, undulating the hips, this kind of thing. My hands were exploring her body and clothes started to come off. All the while, we were both just deeply present with each other and deeply present in the moment, not thinking about anything else, just breathing. And yeah, breathing and feeling tender. I remember my heart just felt tender and open in this way that was new. It was new for me. I don't think I'd ever experienced that with a sexual partner up until that point. And it was this really amazing experience of sexual arousal and desire mixed with open-heartedness and vulnerability at the same time. And clothes came off, started doing the genital touching, you know, all that stuff. Uh, was It felt amazing. Lots of deep breathing. And naturally, it just started making sounds too. Like, ah, oh, yeah. Mm, like that kind of thing. And at that point in my life, making sounds was really scary <laughs> and, and weird. And I didn't do it so much, but for whatever reason, then I started to make sounds and I was breathing deeply and it was really present. And then we, after a while of, of going down on each other, we started to have penetrative sex and I was so connected to her and so connected to myself that it didn't even occur to me that my mind was not focused at all on trying to not ejaculate. All of my sexual experiences, experiences up until that point were focused as soon as they started on, oh, I don't want to ejaculate too quickly. You know, I just want to be here. Oh, what, what technique can I do? What can I squeeze? How can I circulate? What, what, you know, from these books, which of the 10 things can I do to stop myself from ejaculating? But in this moment, I wasn't thinking about any of those things. I was just so deeply present with her. And the intensity of our lovemaking started to pick up and our bodies were moving and writhing together. And again, we were uh, like really breathing deeply, you know, again, combined with this deep emotional open-heartedness and it intensified and intensified slowly and slowly and slowly, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 
you know, up to an hour, like longer than I had ever had sex before. And I was almost in this sort of trance-like state. By the way, we're totally sober, but I was, it was a trance-like experience. And I realized eventually, like, wow, this is something I'd never experienced before, you know? And, And it was only like a blip of awareness of thought. And then I just went back into the embodied experience of the moment and breathing deeply again, connecting. And then I like started to feel this orgasmic, for lack of a better term, just orgasmic energy starting to move in my body. And it was amazing. And it started to feel like every thrust I was, I remember the first, like when it first started to hit me, we were in a doggy style position and my apartment, it was dark. The lights were off. It was probably like one or two in the morning or something like this. And I was thrusting in and out of her and every motion in and out of her started to feel like a little mini orgasm, like a little mini ejaculatory orgasm, but I wasn't ejaculating and I wasn't even close to ejaculating. Ejaculation was not even in my frame of awareness as a possibility. I was just so immersed in the moment and it kept building and kept building and kept building with each thrust. And I remember we we switched positions and she was on her back and then she started to ride me on my back. And then it was like that mini orgasm I was experiencing my penis started to move throughout the rest of my body. Then I remember every motion she did and every motion that I did started to feel like an ejaculatory orgasm in my whole fucking body. It was so good. <laughs> it was so trippy. And I felt like my arm was coming and I felt like my leg was coming and I felt like my face was coming and every motion was just like, oh, oh, fuck. Like this just this fuck amazing like orgasm. And it just went on and on and on. And it's like minutes, 20 minutes of just like peak pleasure orgasm and I wasn't ejaculating and it was the trippiest fucking thing and the most amazing thing. And like, it felt better than an ejaculatory orgasm, you know, like way better than ejaculatory orgasm. And I just, I got to ride it like surfing and (laughs) yeah, it's, it's fun to go back and think about that. And it was like, there was awe and wonder and amazement and pleasure in every part of my body. And I was breathing deeply and I was making sounds and I felt so connected to her and my heart felt so open. And it was just like, yeah, my whole body felt like it was ejaculating for 20 minutes, you know, and I didn't ejaculate and my erection stayed and was just like, I was just fucking on, you know, and she was having the time of her life too. Like it was a crazy connected experience for both of us. And I remember after a while of being in that space, um, again, it took us maybe like, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour to get to that space. And then once that space happened, after a while of being in that space, uh, I, I had to pee, you know, and I got up and I went to go use the bathroom. And while I was in the bathroom, the mind started to turn on a little bit. My mind started to turn on. I remember I had to sit down to pee because my erection was so strong. (laughs) I couldn't like stand up to pee. It would have been a disaster. So I was sitting down to pee on the toilet and I'm looking around my bathroom at night, like three in the morning or whatever. And the fucking walls and the floor are undulating. And I'm seeing these sparkles and psychedelic patterns just like just rippling across everything. And it hit me like, holy fuck fucking shit. 
this is the thing people are writing about in these books. Like this is the experience all these traditions have been talking about. Like it's this thing right here. It's psychedelic. It's transcendental. It's like orgasmic in your entire system. And it's, it's, yeah, it's like psychedelics. It can be like psychedelics. And in that moment, it was like psychedelics for me. And I just remember uh, it felt a little bit like a mushroom trip, you know, again, totally sober. And then this is where the story takes a turn because while I was in there, I got it in my head like, oh, if it has been this good so far, just imagine how good it'll feel to ejaculate. Like, I'm sure the ejaculatory orgasm is going to be fucking incredible. You know, it's going to be the most amazing ejaculation I've ever experienced. And, you know, meanwhile, I had just come from an orgasm, a sustained orgasm that was a hundred times better than an ejaculatory orgasm consistently, you know, but I thought surely the ejaculatory orgasm is going to be better. And so I finished peeing I finished my little trip out session in the bathroom, walked back in there with a desire to like experience ejaculatory orgasm. And as soon as we started to have sex again, when that thought was in my mind, it was like my body was just programmed to go straight towards ejaculation. And like all the experiences I had just had, it changed. You know, that thought of the goal of ejaculatory orgasm or the pleasure of ejaculatory orgasm pulled me towards ejaculatory orgasm, like a crazy gravitational force. And there was, that's just what happened. You know, it just like pulled me there. And within a minute, I had an ejaculatory orgasm. And it was the most anticlimactic ejaculatory orgasm I've ever had in my entire life. It was as if my pleasure was up here for this whole lovemaking experience. And when I ejaculated, I was expecting it to go up here, but it was just like, just dropped. My pleasure actually dropped immediately when I started having the ejaculatory orgasm. And it, it was mind blowing. And there was, yeah, there was a little pleasure in it, but it was mostly disappointing you know, the pleasure of it was disappointing. And I think the bigger piece of it that was disappointing was that I felt like I lost that charge. I lost that aliveness. I lost that psychedelic experience. I lost that feeling of deep heartfelt connection with my lover, you know, that, that deep vulnerable place that we were in where there were tears and love and energy flowing between us. I felt like I just gave that up with my ejaculatory orgasm. And I did. You know, it was like the feeling was real for me. Like those experiences and those feelings were not in my body anymore at that point. And, and it was confusing and I wanted to go to sleep. (laughs) And my lover, my girlfriend at the time, I mean, still for her, it was an incredible sexual experience as well. And like, yes, we were both satisfied in the traditional sense of satisfaction and always there will be this place of wondering in my mind, like what would happen if I didn't, you know, in that moment, if I hadn't had that ejaculatory orgasm, I know now in retrospect what happens and it's amazing and it's worth exploring, but we'll get there in a minute. Um, so we laid in each other's arms and went to sleep and not too long after that, the sun came up and we started our days. And I remember that whole next day, man, I was like, (laughs) I got way too into my ego and I thought, oh, I figured it out. I figured it out. I am sexual master. I I know how to have orgasms without ejaculation. I got this shit down. I am the best lover, Mm, you know? And sure enough, next time we had sex, 
ejaculated in less than a minute, you know? And next time we had sex after that, same thing. And I was like, what the, what? <laughs> what the, f yeah. It was really a confusing thing. And it took me a while. It took me a long time to figure out why that was the case. That's quite a story. I got it. Got it. Definitely got my my blood flowing a little bit. It yeah. sounded like a really uh really connective time between you and your partner, and an understandable thing. Yeah. Uh, I know when I'm having sex too. Uh, when I get attached to the idea of of coming, whoa, that takes me to that place pretty fast, actually. Yeah. Um, and I'm super curious now. So here you you're with her after, mm -hmm. and you have these two experiences. Did you ever have it with her again? Did you figure out uh, a system for doing it? Any patterns you're recognizing where you say, oh, okay, this is what I was missing? So no. Well, yes and no. No, I never had that experience with her again to that level of depth. This was a time in my life where opening my heart felt like the fear of death in me. You know, So my ability to actually cry and be vulnerable with her in that night, that argument was a fluke, you could say. And what I've learned since then in my experience is that for me, in order for me to be able to access those non-ejaculatory orgasmic realms, my heart has to be open. I have to be vulnerable. I have to be able to feel deeply and to be fully present. And without that vulnerability, without that open-heartedness, it's just not on the table. Like the option just isn't even there, you know? So if you're having casual sex, you don't expect to ride that wave? Not necessarily because, yeah, so what, so what happened? Mm -hmm. So what happened after that was I, I went on a mission of like trying to figure this out, you know, and mm -hmm. we ended up splitting up. We weren't a good fit for each other. And I started exploring sex everywhere, all over the world. I was like, I am going to figure this shit out. I'm not going to be suffering from premature ejaculation my whole life. I know this other experience exists. I have to figure out how to be able to experience it more consistently so I traveled around the world and I studied Tantra all over the world. I studied Taoist sexuality. I went to Western sex workshops all over the United States. And um, in the process, discovered that there was a lot more to sexual technique than just squeezing your pelvic floor or breathing a certain way. Mm -hmm. You know, there was vulnerability and there was emotional openness and there was what's the quality of your breathing while you're having sex, you know, and how do you communicate about sex and all these other things that I never really thought were important. You know, I thought, Oh, I'll just like squeeze this thing and, 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 and circulate my energy this way. And I'll be able to stop ejaculation. You were thinking about it mechanically. Yeah. I was told you're realizing there's a huge emotional component. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. I was thinking mm -hmm. about it like an engineer, you know, like I do these set of steps and I achieve this result. And then I have this experience success, you know, not like that, at least in the same mechanized way, mm -hmm. you know? And so, so one of the things that I ended up doing was going through this huge process of trying to unblock my heart and trying to unblock my emotions. And if you knew me in my mid to early or early to mid twenties, even going into my late twenties, you would know me as this really closed hearted guy that was not able to have real vulnerable conversations with people and like not able to able to be real with my emotions. And so in these neo tantric workshops, which are the ones I was going to, I would do emotional release ceremonies and we would go through rituals where I would work on stuff with my parents and like 
my conflicts with past partners and hurts and unresolved things and traumas in my life and like cry and grieve these things and yell and scream and get out all this anger and, and realize that there like all this anger that I had kept inside me and all this sadness that was in there that I didn't even know was there. That was preventing me from actually being truly present in sex and truly present in the lovemaking experience. And so when I was able to, after years ultimately of, of doing these kinds of workshops, when I was able to actually show up in full presence and vulnerability with people, then that's when I was able to start to access these realms again. In combination, yes, without you know, with not looking at porn and with shifting the ways that I masturbated into more intentional self-pleasure sessions, et cetera. But the big changes didn't really happen until I unblocked a lot of these emotional layers in my system. And so then to answer your question from a little bit ago, I have had those experiences with more short-term casual partners. Because ultimately you were saying, hey, I learned how to open my heart even if I didn't have a year-long relationship. Absolutely. I open my heart. I'm able to open my heart. Um, maybe regardless of the time, more of just how I'm feeling in the moment. And if, if I feel able to do that. Yeah. And so you can have an incredibly open hearted moment with somebody in the first two minutes of meeting them, you know, and then you can have an open hearted moment the first night you have sex with somebody or the 11th date, you know, if you wait that long, like the heart can open whenever you want it to, you know, well, whenever it does, it, sometimes it has a mind of its own, mm. uh, but it, it's possible for it to open in all kinds of circumstances. You know, mm. I have found that the best experiences like this that I have had have been with people where I have cultivated a deeper lovership over time, but it is absolutely 100% possible to experience those things with short-term encounters. Mm. Let me ask you, what's, what's one thing that hit you in your studies where you said, oh, this really helped me open my heart. Mm. Whether it was a book, a teaching, something that the listeners here can can maybe take away a little more in their hands. Yeah, that's an awesome question. Mm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so real practical, something that I'm sure most everybody listening to this will have experienced is at some point in your life, you've been in a movie, maybe listening to a song, maybe with a friend or at a funeral or something, and you feel this desire to cry. Every experience in my life, almost up until that night, I had pushed that down, you know, and not allowed myself to cry because I've thought crying is weak. Crying is bad. Men don't cry. Be strong, you know, and through that process, I've learned to attempt to allow that cry to come out, to allow that emotion to move, you know, and just to, uh, I cried in the most recent Spider-Man movie, like of all the fucking places to cry, you know, (laughs) and it feels so liberating to be able to do that. And the openness that I feel afterwards feels incredible. And that's a practical thing to do. And so specifically how to do that, like take a breath. If you're starting to feel that urge to cry, like take a breath and breathe into it and try to allow yourself to feel that. And if it goes away, then later on, maybe try to go put on a song that makes you want to cry, you know? And another huge thing that really helped me as well is dealing with anger because there's not really healthy ways to express anger in our society. And so 
setting up a experience or a container for myself to go like get this anger out of my system, to get this charge out of my system, it would allow me to be more present in life in general. So at one point I went through a really intensive breakup and I was fucking pissed. I was just angry for months afterwards. And I went to the gym and I went to the punching bag with gloves and the proper technique to not injure my wrists. But um, I went there and I would go for, I would set rage playlists and just rage out on these bags, you know, with the intention of just moving this energy and giving it a space to exist versus just stuffing it down. Cause I had stuffed it down my whole life prior to, you know, and letting these things out. Yeah. It's just, it's just really good. So if you're angry, try to experience your anger in a healthy way. That's not going to traumatize other people around you. Like don't punch holes in your wall in front of your kids or in front of your lover, like be intentional with this, like do it in a safe way, but really allow yourself the opportunity to let your emotions free, you know? And then and then in concert with all that stuff, like I have a free ejaculation control guide on my website that you should check out because there's some, there's some legit sexual techniques that you can combine with this emotional openness that will help you too. I've read a lot of that stuff. Thanks for, thanks for putting that stuff out for free so people can read it. really appreciate it. It's, been, it's helped me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. My pleasure. Like I put it out there because I love this stuff and I wish I had it when I was in my early 20s. Mm-hmm. And it's really all I want to talk about because <laughs> it's, so, it's so fascinating. It really is fascinating. And is there any last thing I want to say? I'd say that if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, I want these experiences, I want to be able to have an org- orgasm without ejaculation. I want to be able to have these tantric experiences. Um, that free ejaculation control guide will help you. And just really important to understand that this isn't something you're just going to be able to snap your fingers and turn on. You know, you and I here listening, we have 10, 20, 30 years possibly of sexual programming that we've given ourselves in terms of the, how we masturbate, how quickly we ejaculate when we masturbate, whether or not we watch porn, how we interact with the people we're attracted to and all that stuff impacts how we show up in the sexual experience. So if you're trying to make some massive changes in this realm, it's important to understand that it will take time. You know, like nobody goes into jujitsu and thinks that in the first month they're going to be a black belt. That's just not how it works. And if you do think it, you're wrong. Yeah, you're very wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got my ass kicked last year thinking, you know, I didn't think that. I mean, I thought I was going to be a newbie and I had no idea how much of a newbie I actually would be. You know, same here. Yeah. Mm. And so I have a program called the Orgasmic Mastery Course and it's a, it's a 10 week journey. And right now there's a group of guys going through it on week eight and we're almost done. Another round will happen later this year. Uh, But it's a, it's a structured way to go through all the steps you need to go through in order to begin to have experiences like this, to reorient your system, to be open to this kind of pleasure. I'm glad we have some place to go and I'm glad you're putting, making this material widely available so that people don't just have to think about it or go without any type of map. Yeah. Yeah. There are lots of resources out there and I'll put a lot of, I'll put those resources in the show notes of this episode and say, thank you for listening. Thank you, John, for being here, for being a good friend and somebody I can tell this story to. It's, it's like helpful being new in this podcast journey to actually tell it to a person versus just a microphone. And thanks. Thanks for showing up here. Thanks for asking me. It's been, it's been great to hear about. 
Yeah. And thank you all for listening and check out the show notes for all the details and the links to everything I mentioned. And I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day. Cheers to your success and your pleasure. And I will see you in the next episode. Thank you, friend, for listening to this episode. I have one request before you go. If you got something useful, if you got something valuable from this episode, please take a moment right now to go to Apple or Spotify and leave a review of this podcast. That'll be really, really helpful. It'll do two things. Number one, it'll let me know that you actually like this podcast. Number two, it'll help more people find this podcast. And I think that's really important because I believe we all need to be talking about sex more. So the more I share it, the more you share it, the more we all talk about this, the better everyone's lives will become all around the world. So thank you. Thank you for sharing this wherever you share it. Thank you for your review. And if there was anything about this episode that really hit you, that really struck you or impacted you, please shoot me a message too on Instagram or with an email and let me know. I'd love to hear how this has impacted your life. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Cheers to your success. Cheers to your pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Oh,